Well, good morning, everybody. So that phrase has been sticking. You got your flames hat on again. Good for you. Man, that puts me in a good mood right off the bat. What a, what a game yesterday, but I don't want to talk about the Oilers' 8-3 victory over the Flames right now. It's time for church, okay? Uh, but I've been thinking so much about that phrase, which I did not practice 30 seconds ago. Be kind. Be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And it's true. Like, both parts of it are true. First of all, we should be kind. And I said it last week. I'll, I'll say it again to you today. Um, that sometimes the people that you least feel like being kind to are the people that most need someone to be kind to them. And the second part is true too, you know, that everyone you meet is fighting a great battle, and here we are, and we are meeting together. Everyone in this room is fighting a great battle. And and what might be a great battle for me is not a great battle for you, and your battle might not seem like a battle for me. That's sort of irrelevant. The point is, we're all fighting battles. For For some people, it's fighting battles to get past their past. For some, it's fighting a battle to not be overwhelmed with the present. For others, it's a battle with the future, whether a fear or fixation of the future. But I felt it was important that I tell you today, on this February 2nd, 2020, that I picked a side in your battle. Like, I'm overwhelmed with the sense this year that I need you to know that I picked a side in your battle. I'm with you. I might not be much, but, but, but I'm declaring to you today, I've picked a side in your battle. I'm with you. Whether you walked in today for the first time or the 400th, I'm on your side. And so that's why I really want to tell you um, that you were placed on this planet to tell a great story. You were placed on this planet to tell a great story, comma. Therefore... You were placed on this planet to tell a great story, comma. Therefore, the battles that you will face in this life are greater than you can face on your own. Because you were placed on this planet to tell a great story, the battles that you're going to face are bigger than you can win on your own. And and what, what, what I believe, and I've been talking all series about it, I believe God wants to step right into your battle. Like, I really believe this. I really believe this, that when we look back at the end of 2020 in hindsight, that we will look back and say, man, like, I I faced all these great battles, you know, and yet I feel stronger, not weaker. And and yet I feel more refreshed, not more exhausted. I feel more at peace, not more chaotic. And that's why in this series we've been talking so much about posture. Because I believe that your posture, my posture, it determines the degree to which God's power plays out in our battles. So overarchingly, I want to set us up with a posture of faith this year. Faith. You know, along with faith comes humility. Expectancy. Even obedience. And then I've tried to get kind of even more specific. Like we're talking about sociological uh, posture and chronological posture and directional posture. And starting last week and this week and next week, I want to talk about this concept of a blessed posture. How can we put ourselves in a blessed posture? I think sometimes the church has weird conversations around sin. I think sometimes the church, I think sometimes people outside the church have weird conversations about sin. Sin comes in all shapes and sizes. 
right? Like G.K. Chesterton said, um, it's simple to fall. There's an infinity of angles at which one can fall, but only one at which one can stand. Infinity of angles. All kinds of different sorts of sins. But really, there's only three common temptations that lead us into those infinity of angles. Okay, right? So, sin comes in all shapes and sizes, infinity of angles, but there's really only three common temptations that lead us into those infinity of angles. And, and those temptations are known as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The, the, those temptations have been around since the very beginning. It's amazing if you read back in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And, and, and Eve's wondering, should I take the forbidden fruit or not? You know? And Genesis 3 says this, because uh, the fruit looked good for eating, the lust of the flesh, and appealing to the eye, the lust of the eyes, and, and, and was desirable for gaining knowledge, the pride of life, she took it. So these three common temptations. And I say that because when I hear people talk about sin, I kind of hear two sort of common threads. The one is this, sin is bad. Sin is bad. And if you sin, you're bad. So if I tell you that you're bad enough times that somehow you're going to miraculously become good, that's never worked. I was going to say that's never worked for me. That's never worked for anyone. And the other conversation I have is, or that I hear people have, is this conversation. Uh, Temptation isn't even tempting. What's your problem? What a loser are you? Like, temptation isn't tempting. Well, yeah, it is because that's, it's the same word, temptation, tempting. It's, that, that's what it is. It's tempting. So I want, want to kind of give us a, a different view of this whole concept of sin, and I want to start here. I want to start on this a rectangular piece of stage. I did this last week. This week they decided to put a mic stand on part of it, so it's infringing on my space. But here, but here I am, okay? So let's call this space uh, God's plan. Because God has a plan for us. Uh, a, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, Psalm 37, verse 4. If, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me be, beside still waters. He restores my soul. God's plan. Hope, future, provision, protection, uh, joy, rest, restoration, blessing. Boom. So here I am in a, in a place of blessing. And it's soul, you know, soul level blessed. Soul level blessed. Be, be, because it's important to say that because we live in a world that's broken and so we can face battles even while we're blessed. Does that make sense? So we can be blessed and still be battling. Okay? And then that's where temptation comes in because here we are. I'm in this rectangle and, and temptation says, you're dumb. What are you doing in there? That's stupid. It's a little tiny closet it's, it's, it's oppressive, it's, you're in bondage, you need to break free, you need to break free, you need to break free of that bondage, okay? And temptation says, come on out, the weather's fine, it's beautiful out here. This is freedom. This is bondage. Are you crazy? Let's do this. And so you do. Okay, and at first it feels real free. Whew. Okay? But then over time, what you realize is, oh, like that beautiful landscape of freedom, or it's actually a painting. And, all, and all, all the size ends up to be an illusion. It's smoke and mirrors, and it's closing in on me, and what I thought was freedom 
ends up being uh, bondage. And what I thought was bondage ends up being freedom. You know what I mean? And so I thought this was a closet. But it turns out it's a wardrobe. And, and in that wardrobe is like adventure and hope and, and a future and joy and restoration and all that stuff. And then sin says, sin says, listen, uh, there's no way back. Like, there's no way back. <clears throat> but the Bible says that Jesus is the way. He's the way maker. That's why he stepped into human history, to make a way where there was no way. And so Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, provides a way back. And so I think for you and for me, our 2020 might look a lot like this. I'm such a master of visual illustration, aren't I? It's just incredible. Because there's, there's always a way back. And, 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 I, and I wander, prone to wander, but I always come back. Because he's so good. And maybe eventually I look and I go, I've been there, you know? Every once in a while. Oh. Right back. And, and it's this posture of blessing. Still battle within the blessing. Lust of the flesh says, uh, if it feels good, do it, right? Talked about this. Lust of the flesh says, if it feels good, do it. Next week, we'll talk about the pride of life. Uh, the lust of the eyes are a little bit different. The lust of the eyes says this. Um, it's a compulsion or a strong desire to take hold of that which is visually appealing. The lust of the eyes is a compulsion or a desire to take hold of that which is visually appealing. So if the lust of the flesh says, if it feels good, do it, the lust of the eye says, if it looks good, get it. And it's a deception. So a couple years ago, I'm at Shoppers. That's how the cool people say Shoppers Drug Mart, okay? So I'm at Shoppers, right? And I see a, a value pack, and I'm intrigued. Value, I'm Dutch, so I see value pack, right? And so I'm, in, I'm intrigued right away, right? And, 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 and it's, but, it, but it's also half price. So I'm really, like, I can't help myself now. My I'm, I'm, I'm through, I, I, I bought it. And what it was, was it was a uh, face wash and lotion. So I get this face wash and lotion. And the next morning, I come out of the gym, and I and, or come out of the shower in the gym, and I put the lotion on my face, and I'm like, this is the greatest smelling stuff I've ever smelled. Like, incredible. So incredible that I drove straight to shoppers. And uh, there was two ladies at the little, like, uh, makeup place, and I'm like, I just need some cologne that smells exactly like this lotion. And they looked at me like I was crazy. A little bit like that right now, okay? So, so they didn't help me at all, but I didn't give up. So I went uh, onto the back of the package, and I got the phone number for the head office of this company, and I called the head office. Okay, and the head office is in Quebec. So I talked to a wonderful French-Canadian lady uh, in Quebec. We had a little bit of trouble communicating because my French isn't awesome and her English wasn't awesome. So finally she says to me, Monsieur, that's uh, French for sir, okay, Monsieur, uh, I, don't, I do not know what you were saying, but I would like to give you some nice coupons if you give me your address. So I gave her my address, and the coupons never came, which wasn't very nice. But I still didn't give up. I still didn't give up. So uh, I, went to, I went to the office, and I went around to everybody who was there, and I just, I, 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 I said, smell this lotion. And now what I need you to do is I need you to go find some cologne that smells like this lotion. And most people ignored me, but a few intrepid explorers took on this challenge, this quest, if you will, okay? So a couple days later, I get a text from a guy. He's like, I found it. I found it. 
uh, Light Blue by D&G. Done. I trust this guy's nasal capacity completely. Didn't even check it out for myself. I did not. So uh, 10 days later, I'm in Winners with Corinne, and there it is. It's sitting there, like big bottle, light blue, D&G, pour homme, which means for men, because if it doesn't say that, it's perfume. That's another story for another day. That, but, but anyway, so, so I, 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 I grabbed it, 20 bucks, big bottle, right? Start spraying it every day. Uh, a couple weeks later, I'm at church just outside those doors, and a young guy comes up to me, shakes my hand. He's a real cool, real fashionable guy. I'm shaking his hand. He leans in, and he goes, light blue, D&G. That's legit, right? So I was like, yeah, it is, obviously. Weird, a bit of a weird moment, but I mean, I started spraying a little extra after that, okay? So, so two, two years goes by, and I mean, the level goes down as, want, as it is wont to do, right? So I start to get low, and I'm thinking, I gotta, I, I gotta get a new bottle of this. So I go online, light blue D&G, 70 bucks. Seven zero, no way. Okay, so I keep searching, I keep searching, I keep searching. Can't find it for cheaper than 70 bucks. Finally, I come across this website. It says uh, they got this cologne. It's not light blue by D&G, but it's inspired. It's inspired by light blue by D&G. It's called Aquatic Tides. Isn't that, doesn't that sound swashbuckling to you? You know what I mean? It's just like walking on a tropical beach, the waves are crashing onto the shore, just beautiful. It's not 70 bucks, it's not even 20 bucks, 11 bucks, click, ordered it immediately, okay? Had it delivered to the office when it showed up, I tore open the package, I sprayed some. It didn't, it didn't smell like light blue. But I paid 11 bucks for this, right? So I'm not gonna give up. I'm thinking maybe it's actually better. So I went in and talked to my assistant, Sarah. I said, Sarah, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to take some of this light blue, spray it on one arm, and uh, some of this aquatic tides, and spray it on, this is what my assistant does with her time, okay? So, and then we went around the hangar, and we did like a blind sniff test with everybody, okay? And uh, I brought a piece of paper, and I was gonna keep score, but I soon realized I didn't have to because everybody picked light blue. Okay, but listen, I spent 11 bucks on this stuff. So I'm thinking, like, did, did it just, like, did it just nudge it out? You know what I mean? Like, did, did, did light blue just win by the slimmest of margins? Because then I could still, like, go with the aquatic tide. So I went around, I'm like, I think it's close, maybe I'll just. So finally, a few of uh, the staff came to me and said, Mike, we need to talk to you about aquatic tides. They're like, it, it, it smells like something Uncle Rico would wear, okay? Now, if you don't know who Uncle Rico is, Uncle Rico is a character from a, a movie back in the day called Napoleon uh, Dynamite. And, and, and I thought for those who haven't seen it, maybe just give you a quick clip to kind of give you a sense of who Uncle Rico uh, is. So if you could play that right now, that'd be great. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Watch this. Ah! <sighs> <sighs> How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Yeah, if coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. You better believe things have been different. I'd have gone pro. In a heartbeat, I'd be making millions of dollars and living in a big old mansion somewhere. You know, soaking it up 
Cyberspace? You, you ever come across anything like time travel? Easy. I've already looked into it for myself. Right on. <laughs> right on. Uh, so that ended my Aquatic Tides adventure. So I, I tried to uh, give the bottle away. Surprisingly, nobody wanted it. But the staff did insist on bugging me about it over and over again, but I got everybody back. So one day when everyone else had left the office, I went around into everybody else's office and I sprayed aquatic tides, copious amounts, everywhere. So if you ever walked into the Southside offices, you get this swashbuckling feeling, you know, like walking down a tropical beach at sunset with the waves crashed onto the shore hand in hand with Uncle Rico. You can thank me for that, okay? <laughs> here's the point, here's why I tell you that story. It's not the same. It said it was going to be the same, but it turns out it's not the same. Now, I say that to you because um, there's something you need to know about you. You were born to value beautiful. You were born to pursue beautiful. You were born to become beautiful. But there's times in our culture, in our lives, where we're going to look at something that's pretty and shiny, and we're going to think it's the same thing. But it's not. See, pretty and shiny is a surface-level thing. Beautiful. Let's talk about the word. Beautiful. Full of beauty. Way beyond skin deep. Beautiful. I think the Apostle Paul says it well in Philippians 4. He says, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, if anything is lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about that. See, see but here we are, and, and sometimes we live in this world, we live in this culture, and we look at something that's pretty or shiny, and we think, oh, well, it's, it's the same thing. It's beautiful, pretty, same thing. It's not the same. And the truth is to put yourself in a blessed posture in 2020, you need to know that. Because actually, you were born to value beautiful. You were born to pursue beautiful. You were born to become beautiful. You were born to value beautiful. So let me ask you a question. Who do you value? What kind of people do you value? 1 Samuel 16 says that sometimes people look on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So who do you value? I've said before that um, I think sometimes pretty people have, a tough, uh, have t a tough challenge in our culture. Because a pretty person doesn't have to be beautiful, and yet sometimes they receive deferential treatment and respect and privilege um, that, that their wisdom and their integrity and their character doesn't really warrant. So they're never really challenged, they're never really inspired to become beautiful. So who do you value? There's something that you need to know. Every, every, everyone you know, everyone you've ever met, everyone who you will ever 
lock eyes with is worthy of your love. Is worthy of your love. Whether they are pretty and shiny or not. It's interesting, that it's interesting this whole concept of pretty anyways, isn't it? It, it? it sometimes feels to me like a bit of a, a cultural construct. Like I was spending some time the other day and I wanted to know like, what, what, what would have been considered the, the prettiest person on the face of the planet back in the 1500s. And I got a painting. I think maybe you've seen it. I'm, I'm not 100% sure that that person would be considered the prettiest person on the face of the planet today. Do you understand what I mean? So some, sometimes like this whole concept of pretty and shiny, and when I say pretty, by the way, I'm not talking about girls. There's pretty girls and there's pretty boys. But who do you value? Because everyone you ever lock eyes with is worthy of your love. They were created by God, they're loved by Jesus. And you should love them too. So if you come across a pretty person who's not beautiful, you should love them. Enough to maybe say, hey, you know what? Let's look a little deeper. Man, because I think you could become beautiful, not just look like you are. And when it comes to who you spend time with, you should make an attempt to spend time with, uh, with beautiful people. If you're single, you should look to date somebody who's beautiful. You should marry someone who's beautiful. Or how about this? If you're a parent and you're raising kids, man, one of the, one of the main things you should dream of, you should pray for, you should inspire your kids to become is beautiful. See, sometimes we think that pretty and shiny is the same as beautiful, but it's not the same thing. We should value beautiful. We should, you were born to pursue beautiful. So we kind of, we live in a free enterprise economy, you know? Like Adam, Adam Smith defined it years ago this way. He said, it's an invisible hand that guides our economy. That there's these two for, forces that act on our economy, that act on um, the prices that are set for goods and services in our economy, supply and demand. If supply goes down and demand goes up, the price goes goes up. But in our culture, you have a lot of suppliers of goods and services, and obviously they want to keep their supply high, but they also want to keep their demand high. And how do they do that? They advertise. And from the time that you were zero years old, one of the key forces, one of the key strategy of advertising is the lust of the eyes. They want to convince you that that pretty shiny object that you're looking at is way more than pretty and shiny. It's beautiful. It's gonna make your life beautiful. It's gonna make you more beautiful. There's nothing wrong with pretty and shiny things unless we start to live our lives with the assumption that that pretty shiny thing is actually gonna make us beautiful. As I was writing this sermon, I started thinking to myself, uh, I'm just gonna make a list of all the pretty shiny things in my life that I've been tempted to uh, assume or believe probably not outwardly, but inwardly kind of have this belief that man, it, m- maybe, maybe, this, maybe this is beautiful. Maybe this will make my life beautiful. And I started writing down a list of all the things, and I realized you don't have time for me to talk about all the pretty shiny things that I was tempted to think were beautiful. So I made you a somewhat annotated list. Um, when I was four years, oh, you can put the first one up. When I was four years old, this is the honeycomb 
Honeycomb, you know honeycomb cereal? The Honeycomb GT Drag Racer. When I was four years old, I looked on the back of the box of honeycombs that said if you send in four box tops, we'll send you a Honeycomb GT Drag Racer. I ate more honeycombs for like breakfast, lunch, and supper than any kid ever has. I collected four box tops, I sent them away, and they didn't send me the Drag Racer, which really sucked, okay? So then the next one, when I was five years old, here's the $6 million man lunch kit with a matching thermos. I never got that either, okay? Ironically though, uh, I threw a snowball after school one day at Darcy Cavanaugh, and he used his $6 million man lunch kit to block the snowball. It turned out it was a little bit icy, broke his lunch kit, I went to the principal's office, okay? But that's neither here nor there. Air Jordans, yeah, we can keep going. Uh, 1960, funny story about this, 1967 Corvette, grew up, man, I, I, I thought that'd be the best car, so I did a Google search on it, and also, while I was looking at that, a 2020 Corvette came up, and my initial thought was, that's pretty, <laughs> that's really pretty, okay, keep going, uh, ski nautique boat, yep, Joby professional water ski, CCM UltraTac hockey skates, Rosignol skis, uh, Harley Davidson Roadster, CBR 600RR, Stormrider jean jacket, obviously, okay. Uh, sweet golf clubs, iPhone 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Is it 12 now? How many iPhones? I don't know, lots. Okay. Other than the jean jacket, I didn't get a lot of the things on that list. Oh, and by the way, may, maybe you got every one of them. That's awesome. That's not the point. As long as we realize that pretty shiny things are pretty and shiny. But sometimes we're tempted to believe that that pretty shiny thing that we're pursuing uh, is actually somehow innately beautiful. It's more than that, you know, that somehow it's going to make my life beautiful, maybe even make me beautiful, but it, but it just, it's not true. Jesus said it this way. He said, don't store up your treasures. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And, and it's okay to have pretty shiny stuff, but don't make your life all about it, you know? Because it, and, like if, if you're a profoundly unhappy, mean, unkind person, and I give you a ski nautique boat, you know what you'll become? A profoundly unhappy, mean, unkind person with a ski nautique boat. Like, as long as we know that. It's important, too, because not, not only were you born to value beautiful, and not only were you born to pursue beautiful, you were actually born to become beautiful. And that is hard. Oh, man, that's hard in our culture. You felt it, right? Like this innate sense, this innate pressure in our culture to just want to be shiny and pretty. Shiny and pretty and shiny and pretty and shiny and pretty. But you are actually born to become beautiful. Let me put that another way. Uh, you, you were born to look more and more and more and more like Jesus. Jesus is the most beautiful person who has ever existed. And here's what's crazy. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53 that there was absolutely nothing visually appealing about Jesus that would have drawn us to him. 
Isn't that amazing? The most beautiful person who never existed wasn't overtly visually appealing that we would have gone, man, like, look, look at that pr- pretty shiny person. I want to listen to him. I heard someone ask the other day, man, wh- why wasn't Jesus born in the days of social media? I'm not, I'm not sure. But maybe somehow we would find a way to make him pretty and shiny and forget that he was beautiful. So we talked about this rectangle here. This is God's plan, you know? God's plan. And, and, and when I'm in here, I'm in a posture of blessing. And sometimes I wander off, but I, you know, I come back to this posture of blessing. And, 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 and we quote Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Or we talk about Psalm 37, verse 4. Man, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Huh. Psalm 23. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. Makes you lie down in green pastures. Leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul. Can I add a couple more verses? Ephesians 2.10 describes this spot. This posture. This blessed posture. You know what Ephesians 2.10 says? I do because I knew I was going to have to quote it in front of you. Why don't you know? Okay. It says you are God's workmanship. You're, You're God's masterpiece. You're his piece of art. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The good news translation says good deeds, which he prepared in advance for you to do. Or how about Acts 20? The Apostle Paul quoting Jesus. You know, it's more blessed. It's more blessed. It's more blessed to give than to get. You, you were born to become beautiful. It's amazing, amazing when you think about it. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave, that he gave his son. And Jesus stepped into human history not to get, but to give. Not to be served, but to serve. But it's like, pff, there's this temptation always, man, to, to value pretty. To pursue pretty. To want to become pretty. And by the way, you're really pretty. But I got better news. You're becoming beautiful. Came across this story that I knew I had to share with you to close today. It's a story written by a young woman who works at a bookstore. I work in a decent-sized local bookstore, told you. Uh, It's a great job 99% of the time. And a lot of our customers are pretty neat people. I want to tell you about the best customer I've ever had. In the middle of the day, this little old lady comes up. She's lovably kooky. She effuses how much she loves the store and how she wishes she could spend more time in it, but her husband is waiting in the car. Oh, she says, I better buy him some chocolate. She piles a big bunch of art supplies on the counter and then stops and tells me how my bangs are beautiful and reminder of the ocean. Whoosh, she says, making a wave gesture with her hand. Okay, I think to myself, awesomely happy, weird little old ladies are my favorite kind of customer. They're thrilled about everything, and they're comfortably bananas. I can have a good time with this one. So we chat, and it's nice. Then this kid who's been up to my counter a few times to gather his school textbooks comes up in line behind her. 
We're connected to a major university in the city, so we have a lot of harried students pass through. She turns around to him and out of nowhere demands that he put his textbooks on the counter. He's confused, but she explains that she's going to buy his textbooks. He goes sheetrock white. He refuses and adamantly insists that she can't do that. It's like $400 worth of textbooks. She, this little tiny old woman, boldly takes them out of his hands, throws them down on the counter, and turns to me with an intense stare and tells me, put them on my bill. The kid at this point is practically in tears. He's confused and shocked and grateful. Then she turns to him and says, you need chocolate. She starts grabbing handfuls of chocolates and putting them in her pile. He keeps asking her, why are you doing this? She responds, do you like Harry Potter? And throws a copy of the book in the pile too. Finally, she's done and I ring her up for a crazy amount of money. She pays and asks me to please give the kid a few bags for his stuff. While I'm bagging up her merchandise, the kid hugs her. We're both telling her how amazing she is and what an awesome thing that she's done. She turns to both of us and says probably one of the most profound, unscripted things I've ever heard someone say. It's important to be kind. You can't know all the times that you've hurt people in tiny, significant ways. It's easy to be cruel without even meaning to. There's nothing you can do about that, but you can choose to be kind, so be kind. The kid thanks her again and leaves. I tell her again how awesome she is. She's staring out the door after him and, <clears throat> and says to me, my son is homeless. He's addicted to meth. I don't know what we could have done differently. But I see that boy, and I see the man that my son could have been, and I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what would have been different if someone had chosen to be kind to him at just the right time. I bagged up all her stuff, and at this point, I'm super awkward. I feel like I should say something, but I don't know what. Then she turns to me and says, I wish I could have bangs like that, but my darn hair is just too curly. She leaves. And, and that's a story of the best customer I've ever had. Be kind to somebody today. I want to tell you something amazing about you. You're becoming beautiful. You're becoming beautiful. You're becoming beautiful. It, it, it looks kind of like this. It's, it's patient and kind. It doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. It's not rude, proud, or selfish. It's not even easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. Always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. And always perseveres. Pretty and shiny is pretty and shiny. Beautiful. <laughs> You're becoming beautiful. You were born for it. Born to value, beautiful. Born to pursue, beautiful. Born to become, beautiful. Let's pray. So with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, I just want to ask you a simple question.
maybe you're here today and you've tried pretty and you've tried shiny. There's nothing innately wrong with pretty and shiny, but it's kind of left you wanting more. And I guess I want to tell you today that I know the more that you've been looking for. His name is Jesus. And he wants to change you from the inside out. He wants to move you past your past, give you strength for today, hope for tomorrow, and the promise of eternity. He's done everything that has to be done through his death and resurrection. You were born, you were born to be beautiful. And that process for you can start right now. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if today is the day you want to say, Jesus, and thank you for your gift, I want, I want a salvation that goes from the inside out. Can you just raise your hand right now with heads bowed and eyes closed because I want to pray for you. Amazing, amazing, amazing. You can put your hands down. If you just raised your hand, I'm going to pray out loud and I just ask that you pray silently along with me. So Jesus, today, thank you. You're beautiful. And you're powerful. And you're with me. And you're for me. So today I just ask, Jesus, that you would be my savior. I want to place all my sin and all my shame and all my regret at your feet. I accept the free gift of forgiveness and salvation. And Jesus, today I ask you to be my Lord. That you would give me the strength to follow you one next step at a time. That this whole process, this whole beautiful process, It starts now and stretches into eternity. I can't wait. And for all of us today here, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray that in a world of pretty and shiny and loud and eye-catching, God, that you would be slowly continue, slowly continue, slowly continue just to make us beautiful in a world that desperately, desperately, desperately needs beautiful. We love you. We thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, did I say if you, didn't get, if you didn't sign up to get baptized, you should sign up? People are already leaving. Hey, well, sign up. If you have, if you have, oh, I, I want to say one more thing before you leave. So here I am. Here's this rectangle, right? God's plan. Okay? And I think what we think sometimes is this. When it comes to baptism, I think what we think sometimes is this. I think we think, well, if I've been here, you know what I mean? In, in, in this place, in God's plan, for what, what would it be? Uh, 27 years. That's like a year older than I've been alive, okay? So, so if I've been here for like 27 years, you know, then I can get baptized. No, no, but it doesn't work that way. So, so what, what it is, is it's here. 2020 is going to be this process of here, And here, and sometimes baptism is this powerful moment of stepping back into this blessed posture. So if you've not yet been baptized as a believer, man, step up. We'll dunk you next week. If you've had an interesting life like I have, we'll just hold you under for a couple minutes. It'll be all good. Love you guys. Have a great week. Hey, thanks so much for watching today. Why don't you come join us at any of our four Sunday services? We meet at Sardis Secondary School in Chilliwack, British Columbia. And for more info, you can visit southsidelife.com.